0: And we get it rolling on the Krug Show Saturday, nine fourteen on the West Coast, fourteen minutes after noon on the East Coast. Welcome to the Krug Show on a Saturday. The coach will be in the house. We'll talk a little Niners. Talk a lot of Niners. Um, And of course, we're brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville in Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. or until they run out. Pig a pickle. The best barbecue in all of Northern California. We're also brought to you by Marin Auto Glass. 415-883-3030. Marinautoglass.com. And we're brought to you as well by Underdog Fantasy. Check the link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG and they will match you up to your first $100. Thank you to Underdog Fantasy. Thank you to Marin Autoglass, and thank you to Pig and a Pickle. And we're going to head to the Super Bowl this week. We've got two sponsors of Super Bowl week that we'll tell you about as of Monday, in addition to our, our regular sponsors, and we appreciate everybody who comes out and decides they want to sponsor the Krug Show. And right now, We are absolutely blowing up. It's been the biggest week of our channel's existence. I hope you guys are enjoying the content as we sit here today at 9.15 in the morning on February the 3rd. You know, we are coming up on the two-year anniversary of The Krug Show. The Krug Show started, I think, right around March 1st of um, of 2022. So we're coming up on the two-year anniversary. And as we're sitting here today, as last night, we just. Just uh, just passed thirty seven thousand subscribers now at thirty seven fifty three. Just fifty three new subscribers in the middle of the month. Four thousand new subscribers in the last four weeks alone. Um, we've had four million views of video of our videos and live streams in the last twenty eight days alone, and uh, close to three hundred and sixty thousand watch hours of our content so thank you to everybody thank you to our sponsors thank you to all you guys for supporting the channel and making it what it is we are off to vegas in just a couple of days uh we're going to try to shoot you know uh, track down a couple big interviews before we leave but we will be in las vegas um all week long well i guess no tuesday tuesday we head to vegas and we'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then uh, I will be coming back to the Bay uh, to watch uh, the Super Bowl with my 14 year old on the couch and do what all of us are going to do um, get a bunch of chicken wings and, you know, who knows, whatever. what The wife wants to barbecue or whatever. But we will have whatever. We'll have some people over, I'm sure. And we will celebrate, hopefully, the 9 or 6th Lombardi. And I feel good. Uh, we'll get the coach in here. We'll we'll give his get his thoughts on it. He's just uh, he was running Hannibal, and so he's he's running 15 minutes behind. So he'll join us in a bit. A couple things though, I want to get to. I was in Santa Clara yesterday, and and by the way, um, today is the Senior Bowl. Really fired up for the Senior Bowl. It is. 10 a.m. that game starts. So in about 40 minutes, the Senior Bowl starts. The college college football all-star game from uh, South Alabama uh, Stadium there. It's the Reese's Senior Bowl. um, And I've been watching some of the practices. I also watched the East-West Shrine game last night. And, man, there are some really good players in the East-West Shrine game, including Frank Gore's kid. Now, I can't believe... I can't believe um, that I'm going to say this, but I think I, if I were the Niners, they got a bunch of picks in the draft. Frank, Frank Gore Jr., obviously you don't need a running back, but Frank Gore Jr. is probably going to be a day three pick. He may be even a mid to late day three pick. I'm thinking around five, six, or seven. He had a touchdown run um, in, in the All-Star game. He looks just like Frank Gore. I mean, just like Frank Gore. Frank Gore was there on the sidelines yelling and screaming at him, too. You could see the, the kid was getting annoyed. But Frank is an, is obviously a, a future Hall of Fame Niner, um, great player with the Niners, and he's now in the Niner organization. He's got a, a role in the front office somewhere in the personnel side of things. Why not grab his kid? His kid, I mean, the the longevity on Frank Gore was unbelievable. The guy tore both the ACLs in college at Miami, and then he played forever. So, I mean, I'd be very interested in in his kid because if his kid's anything close uh, to him as far as longevity, you're buying a car that's going to last you like 350,000 miles. But he looked great. And then I thought Christian McCaffrey's brother, Luke, um, has looked really, really good um you know and he's probably going to be a 6th or 7th round pick and then um Jerry Rice's kid looks better than both of them i mean Jerry Rice's kid is really um fantastic the usc wide receiver he's got good size he scores touchdowns you can tell he takes the game as seriously as uh Jerry took it now, Jerry's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a player. I mean, unless I'm making any mistakes about that. I'm not saying he's Jerry Rice. But Rice's kid is legit. I mean, he, I, I absolutely would love to have his his kid on the Niners. Um, you know, as I said, 6'4", great route runner, terrific hands, scored a bunch of touchdowns this year. Um, he's good. I mean, he really is exciting to watch. Brendan is his name. Brendan Rice. Um, so, I mean, he's not a burner, you know, he's kind of like Jerry. He's, he's, he's a good size receiver with great hand-eye coordination. And, you know, he's not going to run four, three, but he's for at that, at that size at six-four-two ten or whatever he is. Um, you know, he's, he's good. I mean, he's like a third round pick. If I were the Niners, I would grab those guys. I mean, all three of those guys like to have all three of those guys. You're not you don't you really need to spend your picks on your line, right? Your D-line, your O-line, corner, um, you know, maybe safety. Uh you know, they 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 have other needs besides running back and wide receiver. Uh but man, how do you pass on Gore's kid? How do you pass on McCaffrey's brother? How do you pass on Rice's kid? I mean, I seriously all three of those guys in my mind would be Day three locks, and I would even consider taking Brendan Rice at the end of day two. Um, I, I mean, I him, Raphael five six two Niners jumping in with get Rice Gore Jr. and CMC's little bro exactly. And it's funny, you know, Christian. I asked Christian a couple of weeks ago about what it would, you know, do, hey man, do you watch your brother? And he's giving. It was hilarious too because he's out his locker and he's giving very relatively short answers to a lot of the media questions. How are you feeling here? Yeah, I'm doing good. How you, what do you think of uh, Brock? Yeah, Brock's, Brock's great. And then I'm like, hey, Christian, you know, you watch your brother much at uh, Luke at, at at Rice? And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I never miss a game. Um, he, I really think he could make it in this league. He's got everything it takes. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got this. He's got that. He used to play quarterback. Uh, he's bigger than me and this and that. And he's like, it would be a dream to play with him. I mean, he just went on and on and on. And, um, uh, very cool because his brother is not, it's not Christian. Christian's a first round pick. His brother's not a first round pick. I can tell you that by watching him, but, um, we'll see what he runs in Indy. And if he runs a decent time, it's probably going to determine where he goes. Cause he's a very productive wide receiver. He knows how to play the position. Football is important to him. He's, he would be a very nice, safe day three pick, um, and, you know to have to have McCaffrey's brother, and then you know Gore's kid definitely would be a phenomenal backup to to the in the running back core. Eventually, could be a starter. Rice's kid, I think, would be a phenomenal player to get because I think he's ready to play and contribute uh, and produce. Right now, he's a very polished player. And then you know, if McCaffrey was thrilled that you got his brother in the seventh round. I'd use a seventh round pick on his brother, especially in a deep draft like this. So, um, you know, Callie, Callie Young says, Larry, did you see any good offensive line prospects? No question. And I did a video on this earlier in the week, um, just watching some of the practices. There were three offensive tackles. You know, there's a bunch that are going in the first round, right? I, I, I was talking to Fred or um, Trent Williams the other day at his locker about Tyler Guyton, the Oklahoma kid who's just six seven, three twenty five, 325 super athletic, you know, really, really talented guy. And Trent's watched him a lot. You know, Trent's in Trent's, a, you know, it's like Trent's to do everything, man. Trent's a, you know, they start shooting the ball in the, in the, on the hoop in the locker room. He's the best shooter. I mean, the guy there's like nothing he can't do. And he's watched a lot of these college football offensive tackles. And we talked a lot about Guyton and Guyton's just, he's a throwback, man. He's tough. Now I don't know that he's going to be there when the Niners pick, but here are three offensive tackles that I love in this draft that um, aren't go- are not going in the first round. Okay, um, one is J- J- uh, Javon Foster from University of Missouri, who was in the uh, in the senior he's in the Senior Bowl today. I think he wears seventy six. He was three year starter at Missouri, six five, three hundred and ten pounds. 35-inch arms, I think he's got the wrestling background, great athlete, incredible grip strength. I mean, this guy just grabs you in the interior, and you're, you're not going anywhere. He's got lateral quickness. He's, you know, um, 41 college starts, uh, the captain of the team. Um, they ran kind of an RPO, heavy zone blocking scheme at Missouri, so he'd fit in. He's probably going to wind up going in uh, – f- Probably the second round, maybe late second round. So I think he, you know, the Niners definitely could could get him in the second round if they wanted. Maybe even round three. Um, Forty one starts, thirty nine at left tackle, two at right tackle. So I really like Javon Foster. He had great practices, but I, I really loved him in the season. Um, just a very athletic guy who looks like he could probably be about three thirty um, with you know if a year of like building up his his strength, and he's got great quickness. So I really like him quite a bit. Then, then there's the the um, kid from Michigan, Ladarius Henderson, who was the Arizona State transfer, uh, 6'4", 320 pounds. He's a, he's from Wakahachi, Texas. Made 10 starts this year at left tackle. He was first team all Big Ten, voted on by the coaches. So the coaches really like him. He was great in the Nebraska game. He was amazing against Michigan State and this is another guy athletic has his degree already uh smart guy he played some left guard as well as tackle once to 35 inch arms great foot speed i mean they use this guy to pull out and destroy people in the run game this guy Blake blocked for Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards this year just as a mauler in the run game just super incredible um you know prospect and they're saying he's going to go in around 2 or 3 so remember that one, Ladarius Henderson. And then the other guy that really stood out was Christian Jones from the university of Texas, 6'6, 320. And this guy's really interesting in that another guy, really, really smart captain of his high school football team. Didn't even play high school football until his junior year. He was a soccer player. So he was a converted soccer player. He's from the Houston, Texas area. And the guy's got foot footwork kind of like a you know like a soccer player. I mean he's he's 6'6", 330, 320, 330 in that range, but he's got awesome feet, and that's you know that's what you're looking for. So um, he went to John Runyon High School, I believe, um, and just really really you know or I should say went to uh, didn't begin playing high school football till he was till he was a junior. But I really liked him too. He won a lot of the one on ones. You know, that, to me, the best thing to watch during Senior Bowl week is the one-on-ones. And Christian Jones from Texas just stonewalled um, in the one-on-one. So he he was really, really impressive. So those, I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Uh, Fuaga Taliesi from Oregon State is a total beast, but he's going to probably go in the middle of the first round. Guyton from Oklahoma is going in the first round. Alt from Notre Dame is blue chipper. He's going in the top ten. Uh, Kingsley Sumatea from BYU is a crazy freaky athlete, uh, a little undersized, but he's going in round one Barton from Duke who can play everywhere on the line. He's going in round one. So, I mean, th- it's a really good tackle draft and the Niners were on hand for the practices. So I would imagine they're going to be aggressive in going after, um, an offensive tackle. My guess is the Niners go offensive line, maybe offensive tackle, defensive line in the first first couple rounds. Um, you know, you don't think of the defensive line as a need because they've got a loaded front now on paper, but there's six 49ers on that defensive line that are gonna be, be going to be free agents. So they're all basically potentially leaving. Uh, Armstead may retire. Um Bose is obviously here. Chase Young's a free agent. The way he's played the last couple games effort wise, I doubt he'll be back. Givens is a free agent. You could say the same thing about him. Kinlaw is a free agent. Uh, Randy Gregory, they've got to decide if they're going to pick up his option. I think they've got an option on him at like 14 mil. Um, Beal. So the only guys they have signed up beyond this year are Bosa, Hargrave, um, Beal, and that's it. Joseph Day is also a free agent. So that I mean they're gonna, there's going to there's going to be a lot of turnover on the Niners defensive line and on the Niners offensive line potentially uh or at least the, there's going to be some problem you know I would imagine the Niners high priority is to draft a tackle and and you know to start at right tackle instead of Colton McKivitz maybe I'm wrong but um that's what it that's to me what this whole thing has been pointing to uh all off season it's a great offensive tackle draft and they need an offensive tackle so um, and there's good, and there's good ones, plenty of good ones beyond the guys that I've mentioned. Uh, that's how deep a class it really is. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the matchup. Um, I was in Niner land yesterday and, um, you know, I thought the most, one of the most compelling things was John Lynch talking about, you know, the, the Niners lack of, of hustle. And, um, I'm going to share the screen and let you hear that. This is pretty good stuff here. Um, you know, I'm really surprised that we're talking about this, but I brought it up to Shanahan, and it's like, uh, you can blame me for bringing it up, or you can blame, you know, Chase Young and those guys for putting it on film to begin with and for us to see. But, um, he, here is, you know, and Shanahan obviously didn't like it. Uh, Wilkes. Is said he was embarrassed. I mean, Wilkes yesterday was incredible at the podium. I couldn't believe um, how how direct and honest and forthright he was. Not that he's not always that way, but, I mean, he basically just – he said, uh, it's unacceptable. We have to play every down. Uh, it was embarrassing. So that's, you know, that's pretty strong words. Here's Lynch yesterday. We'll let, let you hear what Lynch had to say. Yesterday. yesterday. Fred Warner and Kyle both talked about a concern about the lack of effort on the defense. Do you sense that there's an awareness about that going forward this week? Yeah, effort's a non-negotiable. I mean, that's that's one of our core values. And, uh, you know, I believe that in my heart of hearts. It's something, you know, we, we've we got four Hall of Famers that represent the defense I played in Tampa. And if you ask every one of us that played on that defense, what was our calling card? It starts with effort. And um, that being a non-negotiable. So those things have been addressed. Um, you got one game. I don't, I really would uh, be shocked if, if we saw that again. And sometimes that comes, I mean, there's excuses for it. There's, but they're just that they're excuses. And, and that has to be non-negotiable play your heart out. And then we've got a lot of good players, a lot of good depth that you can get. So those aren't plays that we're proud of. Those players are proud of. It's been addressed and I'd be real
1: surprised if I saw no.
0: So there you go. And that, I mean, you know, um, It's a topic. I mean, it's the NFC championship game. It was shocking to see guys kind of loafing on the backside. Um, And, you know, Lynch spoke to it. Kyle said, hey, you know, I'll give Kyle credit. When I asked him about it, he didn't dodge. He wasn't like, "Um, no, that didn't happen. Or you didn't see that the right way. Or you thought you saw that, but that's not what you saw. He owned it. He's like, no, that's not our culture. And we didn't like that. And, but the fact that you had to, in you had to kind of talk about it, um, internally and, you know, Fred Warner broke the team down on the field the other day, as he always does. But instead of talking for like, you know, 90 seconds or whatever, it seemed like you talked for like three or four minutes. Um, and, you know, I asked Fred about keeping things, you know, guy, keeping guys accountable and does he do that and who does that and that kind of thing. Um, and he had kind of an interesting answer. I'm gonna let you listen to this one. This is interesting as well. This is Fred Warner from a couple days ago. Play with a ton of passion, and you can see see, Fred, you and Dre play with a ton of passion, and you can see it on the film. If you're watching that film and you see somebody going half speed or loafing, are you the kind of guy that gets in a guy's face and says, Hey, that's not acceptable? That's not our standard. You know, I
1: think it's a the thing that is more meaningful than just trying to get on, get on specific guys, I think, is being the guy that shows, you know, consistency and is the truest example of exactly what we're looking for. You know, I can look at game. I can look at plays in that this past game where I wasn't fully given my 100% effort, you know, and it's like, who am I to sit there and talk down on somebody else when I wasn't all the way there? You know what I'm saying? So I'm always trying to look at myself first in the mirror and make sure that I'm the example today when we're out there to practice. How how do you look in practice right now? Like how do I look, and what example am I giving to my guys for what we're trying to look like on Sunday? It's not just going to happen just because we talk about it. It's got it's got to be something that you do day in and day out. And we have the opportunity today.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you know, and I was a little surprised by that. I thought he might uh, take a different different approach there, but he's like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to um, you know in any way say you know, speak harshly of it. He's like, I'm just going to go out there, focus on myself and try to try to set an example by the speed that I play at. And then everybody can kind of go from there and, and copy my example. That's what, and and I think that's what being, that's, that's a, that's a definitely a a good way to lead. Um, and you know, I asked Nick Bosa, I said, who's the, who's the tone setter in your room? And he's like, well, Chris Kassarek, Daryl Tapp, Eric Armstead, and myself. So, if the Niner defensive line doesn't, doesn't go hard in this game, they won't win. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as that, but you know, you heard Lynch, he said, you know, we, it's been addressed. uh, It's non-negotiable and I'd be shocked if we see it again. So, you know, that, that kind of almost guarantees that we're going to see the 49ers really flying around on Super Bowl Sunday. And that's exciting because the Niners are the most talented team and if they're if they're flying around on that defensive line, I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances if they if you can promise me that all the guys that they have on their defense uh, are going to fly around to their highest energy level on Super Bowl Sunday, I feel good about their chances. Now I realize it's Mahomes, and it's a great defense. Um, and there's no question. I mean, it's a it, I don't know if it's a great defense, but it's a very good defense. Uh, That's kind of one of the questions I want to get to with coach today as well as exactly how good of a defense are we talking about for the Chiefs? I know it's a better defense than what the Niners have faced thus far, but how good is it really? Is it, you know, is it, um, you know, obviously Chris Jones is a monster and he can wreck shop on anybody and kind of ruin your day. Um, And Bolton is a tremendous player as well. There's no question about that. Um, but I mean, is this, is this going to be a, a defense that is totally dominant and shuts the Niners down? Or is this a defense that you can pick on in certain spots? They lost Charles Amenahue, and losing Amenehu is a major, major loss. Um, he was a very good Niner, but he was even better this year in Kansas city. So that's the thing. I mean, there's no, there's no question that Amenehu is, is a major talent and for them to lose him to the knee injury in this last game uh, is a crusher for them. Looking at the Chiefs profile, this is what it looks like. Niners went 12 and 5 this year, first in the NFC West. Chiefs won 11 and 6, first in the AFC West. Niners averaged almost 30 a game, 28.9 points a game. It was third best in the NFL. Chiefs averaged 21.8 points per game. That was 15th in the NFL. So, um, what stands out to me when you're looking at their profile is that, you know, the Niners have the third rushing offense. Kansas City has the nineteenth rushing offense. Why? Because they tend to pass the ball a lot. Uh Mah- with Mahomes and Reed. They like to throw the ball. Um, they're 19th in rush offense, Kansas City is. Then when you look at um defense, you flip it over to defense, these are really good defenses. I mean, Kansas City is second overall in both points and yards. They only give up 17.3 points a game. They only give up 289.8 yards per game. 49ers are third in points allowed right there with Kansas City. I said 17.3 for KC. 17.5 is what the Niner defense allows. But they're eighth in total defense. More yards. uh, 303.9. That's eighth best in the NFL. Then when you look at it closely though, they're the opposites. The Niners' run D is third and their pass D is tw- is 14th. The Chiefs' run D now and and when I say third, that's a little deceiving, right? Because that's 89.7 yards per game. Their yards per carry average is much worse than third best in the league. Kansas City's defense is second in the league, but their run defense is 17th and their pass defense is fourth. So it looks like on paper, especially since the Chiefs have 57 sacks, second most in the NFL, that it is much more advantageous to run McCaffrey, Mitchell, Mason, Debo, whoever you want to run, just to run the ball at Kansas City in this matchup. So I'm looking forward to exactly seeing what the game plan looks like. It has been installed. Uh, Shanahan indicated that. The players indicated that. Brock talked about it yesterday. Uh, the game plan's been installed, so they've already installed their plan. Uh, they're going to try to t- they'll tinker with it next week over a week of practice in Las Vegas. But Shanahan said, hey, you know what? I've been to the Super Bowl before. Uh, it's really really important that we get our work done before we get on the bird and go to Las Vegas with all the all the distractions and so on and so forth but I would imagine it is a run heavy plan with a ton of Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey is as good as any player in the league this year um, and the Chiefs give up 113.2 uh, rushing yards per game 17th in the league so um it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. The other thing I think that that's interesting is where these teams rank in turnover differential. The Niners were fifth in the league. They were plus 10. The Chiefs were 28th in the NFL, minus 11. So that what has been fueling Kansas City's unbelievable run here in the playoffs and late in the year? Mahomes is taking care of the ball. He's not turning it over. He hasn't thrown a pick in weeks. To me, that's the key. Can Bosa and the 49er D-line put some heat on Mahomes? Can the Niners pick him off once or twice? If they can, I think they can win this game, maybe even comfortably. All right, we welcome in the coach. Who's with us? What's up, coach?
1: What's going on, Larry? How are you?
0: Man, I'm doing great. How's your morning going? Are you early afternoon there in the East?
1: It is Super Bowl week. It's coming up this is the last day before we can say it this is it tomorrow it is officially super bowl week so it's 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 coming i'm 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 excited uh i've had a chance to sit back and look at you know just you know let it let it soak in that we do have the chiefs as our opponent in the super bowl and um what do you think it's destiny at first <clears throat> i wanted i wanted baltimore because i was a little uh i was honed in on the season, right? I was too I was too galvanized about exactly what happened to us and they did beat us quite handedly, but for every for how this entire saga has gone with the team, with the regime, of what we've had to do to win, to actually become a real team that was respected across the league in 2019, galvanize around Jimmy, have to pull away from Jimmy, get Trey, put our hopes in Trey then have a basically a, a civil war. Then Brock comes along and he's been lights out ever since. And that's something that I've been saying um, as of late, just enjoying Brock's maturation process is just, it's it, it's neat, man, to be able to see um, where he's come from. And I brought this up about all of the people that were, um, a little late to the party on Brock is that even now, if you're just getting on board, it's still a hell of a ride. Um, and you can't be but anything but happy for him. Um, I've seen all of the media outlets um, cover him and then his mom. Um, I saw him talking after the game and uh, it's a dope atmosphere. And I think that we're ready to go get our destiny. It's it's pretty much hand in glove. I feel like it's it's time for us to go beat these boys.
0: Um, the way, the only way to do it is to, um, make sure you play hard. And that was one of the topics this week, uh, down there. And I want you to hear Wilkes because Wilkes addressed it yesterday and man, he just was so serious about it. Here he is. Um, this is from Raj RSF 49ers, uh, who, who put this out earlier. Let me see if I can
1: get, there we go.
0: Uh, Here's Steve Wilkes from yesterday.
1: Uh, I think you really have to ask them individually. Uh, Collectively as a team, I can tell you as a defense, it's unacceptable. And we talked about that. Uh, I wish I could tell these guys on play four, on play 27, this is what's going to happen. You don't know. Uh, So we got to make sure that we play every down as if it's going to be the difference in the ball game. And you could see on those two particular plays, uh, it wasn't to our standard. And those guys understand and know that quite honestly, it was embarrassing.
0: That's pretty strong talk. I mean, quite honestly, it was embarrassing. What, what do you think about, what do you think about, uh, you you know, what we're talking about coach. We're talking about the Jameer Gibbs touchdown. And before you weigh in, let me, let me throw this one too, for people who didn't, maybe didn't see this, but, um, you know, I had a chance to talk to Shanahan and that was earlier in the week. And I, I posed the question to him, um, which may have gotten this narrative going. And I don't really don't take any pride in that. Cause I didn't, I really didn't want uh, there to be any controversy in any way. But at the same time, when I saw the film, I was like, gosh, this has got to be addressed. I mean, this is just a ridiculous, you can't go this, you can't go at this speed and have it be okay. Um, right here. It, here it is right here. Okay. Uh, here's Shanahan. Tenure here. You're Kyle, well, your team plays really hard, I think, in all three phases of the game through your tenure here. When you watch that film against Detroit and you watch that second quarter uh halfback toss to Gibbs, what did you think of the pursuit effort of your defensive lineman on that play? And is that in line with your culture here?
1: No, not at all. I
0: mean, that's kind of what I was referring to on I think our conference call on Monday. Um but it's you know, and I know it looked bad on the clip that you guys have and stuff, but it's, um, yeah, we know it's not our culture. We don't want to have one play like that. I think we had about two to three in that game, which um is too much for us. We don't want to ever have one, but it wasn't just the D-line. Uh, there was a few backside people who weren't going and they're expecting someone else to make the tackle. And whenever you're expecting someone else to make the tackle, um, hey, bad things happen. All right, coach, you know, you coach the game, you're Mm -hmm. around the game. You understand the norms, um, big deal, no deal, little deal. What do you think? I mean, you know, I asked the question as direct as I could. I'll give Kyle credit. He didn't dodge. And he basically said, uh, Hey guy, you know, he, he put it, he didn't call out anybody by name but he's like guys weren't going on the back end on that mm-hmm. on the backside and everybody mm-hmm. and he and he described exactly what it was which was guys all thought somebody else was going to make the play but you can't make that assumption especially in playoff football especially in a conference championship game what did you think of uh, the play what did you think of what they've said about it
1: uh I thought it was unfortunate uh, because when you see stuff like that, then you understand that the culture is a little bit disjointed. And the reason why I say that is because there are people, there are players, men on our team who deserve to have a, uh, a pragmatic approach about football, right? like understanding the the you know the top down perspective of you know how things are t- gonna be done during games, uh you know, down in distance, what what wh- how to you know corral their effort on certain downs. I mean that happens. I gotta be honest with you. I played with guys and coached guys where they're so good that we don't need them to be a hundred percent tilted every play because of what they do for us, right? There's guys like that. however, That rubs off on guys who should be going to the echo of the whistle every down. And to be honest with you, um, this is something that you and I have talked about personally. Uh, We've talked about uh, the emergence of some of these players that they think they're Nick Bosa because they play with Nick Bosa, or they think they're as good as Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner because they play with them, but you ain't them and you got to play every down. And, We know specifically uh, who we're talking about with uh, as far as our new acquisition from Washington. We know who he is, but this is something that we have to understand isn't necessarily of our culture off grip, right? This guy came in from another organization, and I don't know how many of you guys that are in the chat now, but we threw up the tape just to see exactly what type of player we were getting. We hadn't seen Chase Young all year. Um, and I hadn't paid attention to him. And when we threw up the tape, and for those of you in the chat who were there with me that day, uh, it's uh, we saw the same thing. We saw it. It was on tape. I brought it up, jogging on field, uh, half effort, not necessarily playing to the echo of the whistle, uh, anticipating other teammates getting tackles. So you let up um, going to the ball carrier. I mean, these are all things that bad teams do right and there's a little bit of a silver lining to it is because it stuck out right it wasn't the norm everybody noticed it and it translated to the locker room right i can see if this is something that we were talking about and you know we got coach speak that would be alarming right if we brought this up and you know kyle just kind of like swept this under the rug ah well you know Things happen. We're moving on to the next player. Coach Wilkes is saying, well, you know, I thought our run defense was absolutely perfect. Nothing happened. No. It's going from the top down in the organization, which lets you know that it matters, right? All three levels have talked about it. Defensive defensive coordinator talks about it. Head coach has brought it up and the GM brought it up. It's an issue. It's something that we cannot have. And, you know, we can get into the obvious why are we talking about this during this point of the season, right? If there's ever if if you can't get motivated to play a hundred percent for these games, I can't help you. I can't help you as a football player. So, like Kyle said, it wasn't just Chase, right? It was every Thomas. It was Gibson, right? On mm-hmm. In some instances, it's been Fred throughout the year. In some instances, it's been uh. Diamador Lenore at times like it's it, everybody has got it. Sometimes it's been Javon Hargraves. There was a couple of weeks where he looked a little, uh, not up to snuff, right? Other games. Sometimes it may be Randy Gregory. So that's one thing that I do like about Kyle is that because of the game and the, uh, the eyes of the game. Yeah. It's something that everybody wants to necessarily pin on chase or those singular singular plays. But Larry, We've been talking about this throughout the year. What's the number one thing? It's like, coach, why didn't you have the guys going so far this year in the league? It's like, because I had real thoughts about our ability to stop the run and run the ball. I've been saying that all year, all year. And it's been coming up team by team by team. But, Like we also admitted, we can't get teams that actually get us in the vacuum where they can really run the ball on us and expose that, especially when our offense is having a good day. So it's something that's been persistent throughout the year. But uh, when you start seeing it on this stage, you start to understand that um, it needs to change immediately. And those are some of the things, honestly, I wanted to touch on with Coach Wilkes. We talk about a lot of the adjustments that Coach Wilkes has to make throughout the defense, and it, the trend for this year has been second-half adjustments for Coach Wilkes, right? right? Get him into the second half, he'll start making adjustments. But to be honest with you, from a coaching perspective, sometimes you can't coach effort. You can't. I can't put you in the right position. You, How do you coach a missed tackle? How do you coach somebody jogging to somebody? How do you coach that up? Right well,
0: to me, it's it's a it, it's a it's a culture that has to be set by the players. Um, I, I'll tell you right now on Kansas City's defense, Chris Jones sets so their mm-hmm. culture. Yes. He is if you don't play, he's going to kick your ass. It's as simple as that. He's mm-hmm. going to challenge you on the bench, and he's going to kick your ass. I, right. mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's the truth. Chris mm-hmm. Jones is the fuel, is the engine. Watch if they fall behind in any big game. Mm-hmm. That guy is chewing everybody out on the sidelines. Yeah, when the Niners, um, you know, were in their heyday, Ronnie set that, set that, t- set that tone. Haley set that tone. By Br- Bryant Young set that tone. Mm-hmm. This is how hard we play. Tim McDonald set that tone. You 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 have guys who are tone-setting players. And that's the only thing. It's like, I think, in, you know, if you said to me, who are the Niners' tone-setters on defense? Well, Bosa's their best player, mm-hmm. but he's very soft-spoken. Warner and Greenlaw set the tone by the speed at which, and the passion with which they play at. Um, but they don't have, I mean... Uh, Armstead's a major leader, but he's more soft-spoken. Um, uh, to me, it, it, they could have. I think they miss Jimmy Ward. I think they miss Mosley. I think they miss those guys in the back end who were just so physical and so they'd fly up, and it was like life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they kind of missed that a little bit on the back end. And you know, that's why I kind of like Jair Brown because I think he's potentially that kind of a player. Uh, where he's gonna hurl his body around and set the tone and be super physical. but they you know they've lost. I think their struggles against the run are legitimate and I think their problem is that they don't have an interior player that consistently eats up blocks inside. Kinlaw is the best at it, but like Hargrave's not that guy.
1: so, so Sebastian Joseph Day is not that guy.
0: Sebastian Joseph days that not that guy. Kevin Givens is not that guy. Not that guy. So what happens is interior offensive linemen climb to the second level and pick off Warner and pick off Greenlaw, and then guys on the outside zone uh, cut back inside, and there's nobody home. There's nobody there because everybody's blocked. So it's like it's a real problem. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you know I I don't I don't know that you can be corrected. They're just going to have to. They're going to have to be, you know, uh, have the mindset of get to the football. Um, But the reality is they lost Aziz, Ebukam, Amani Hugh, Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel
1: Mosley. What do those guys all have in common? They're all damn good against the run. And then another thing that you have to look at is uh, going up against the Chiefs. You know, I kind of feel like. The new sex, you know, how the league goes in trends every year, right? And then what happened is, is that everybody started trending to eleven personnel, right? Everybody wanted to go three by one, three by one, three by one, almost phasing out the almost phasing out the fullback, right? But now I'm starting to see the Chiefs, their new their new mode of going after teams now is going in twelve personnel. Well, when you go in twelve personnel. You got to throw. You got to throw Oren Burks on the field with the All two right? tight
0: ends and the Niners would yeah. go at the base.
1: Yeah. So now we're looking at a whole situation where we got another guy, a special teams guy. Where that guy used to be Aziz Al shair That right. used to be the guy that we used to throw in the field. So now we got to see. I, I do have a feeling that the Chiefs they're going to try to give us a taste of our own medicine. They're going to try to slow us down. Throw those tight ends on the ground and pound us. I think they are.
0: And, and, and the question is, can the Niners defend the run at the point Baltimore couldn't and Baltimore's mm-hmm. got queen and Roquan and 360 pound Michael Pierce, and mm-hmm. they still ran Pacheco between the tackles in the lower red zone. And yeah. then, and then the Niners, you know, if you run to the edges, um, um, and you can climb to the second level and block Greenlaw and Warner, you can make big plays there. So that's where it starts. I mean, can mm-hmm. the 49ers stop uh Isaiah Pacheco? If they can't, and Mahomes has has play action available all day and the ability to run, it's gonna be very difficult to defend. I think Kyle have to take away Pacheco.
1: I agreed, Larry. I think Kyle, uh Kyle's Kyle's basic you know his number one mantra for this game i feel as though it's spot on um i know we're kind of going hardcore on the effort um you know because of the last plays that we saw basically over um all of the playoffs but really i feel like what kyle was really trying to harken on was the stamina the constant pressure that the defensive line is going to have to have and i feel like the Kansas city chiefs are going to make sure that we get, we keep at least four to five down linemen. And they're betting on the fact that our offensive line is going to beat down their trenches, our trenches. I, I feel like they feel like they have a better offensive line than we have a D line. I feel like when you look at our D line and when we have trouble, it's in traditional run fits. It's when teams just go downhill on us. That's it. When you get exotic you want to go left? You want to go east and west on us? You want to start running to the sidelines, screens? We're that defense, right? We love the pursuit. We love the chase, right? We're that defense. But when you start going downhill on us, where there's really no, there's really no pageantry or really any trickery or foolery or what we're doing, we're just kicking out. We're playing duo. We're gonna double your, we're gonna double that three technique. All right. And then we're gonna come off on a two-way go on Fred or Dre, and we're gonna do it on the backside, and we're gonna keep doing it until you show us you have the technique to stop it. I feel like this, there's a there's a huge element of this game that's gonna be no, not really about the X's and O's, but more about the Jimmy's and Joes. They're gonna try to put a hat on a hat on us.
0: Well, and, and Pacheco runs about as hard as anybody in, in football. So, I mean, and good luck, you know, if you don't bring it, he's, he's, you're going to get a, you're going to get a knee in the chest. I mean, he's just, he's a high knee guy. He reminds me a lot of Roger Craig. I mean, just a lot of, there's just a lot of energy in, in, in the way he runs the football and he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a power back and you're right. You're going to, they're going to have to stop him. They're going to have to stop Kelsey in the red zone. Um, the nice, I asked, uh, uh, Mooney Ward yesterday, what he thought of Rasheed rice. And he said, he reminds him, he reminds him of Debo. Uh, he said, yeah, he reminds mm-hmm. me of Debo. He says, you gotta be real physical with him. Uh, he, yeah. he said, he said, reminds me of Debo a little bit. We just need to be physical with him all game long. So, and then, you know, the other thing here is the Niners do have the right kinds of pieces to potentially slow down Travis Kelsey. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but Kelsey and Mahomes are absolutely in lockstep. So they know where you know. They just know Mahomes knows you know where Kelsey is. Kelsey knows where. They just have so many reps together that it's a very difficult combination to
1: stop. Oh my God, Cosmo with Cosmo's Cosmo's last pick is exactly how I feel about Rick- Isaiah Pacheco. I I feel like he's Ricky Waters. I do. He does. He reminds me of Ricky Waters. Yeah. That's sudden, a good call. sudden low center of gravity. He, he doesn't catch the ball. Like he doesn't, he's, ne- he's nowhere near the receiver, Ricky was. But that almost kind of like, you know what? It's like Ricky Waters like started the running style. And I feel like Frank Gore like perfected it. You know, like that high knee center lower gravity, sudden cuts, uh, not a slasher, but a cutter. Right. They still gonna stay they still gonna always stay vertical no matter what.
0: What do you think? Um are you, you know, are you satisfied with what the 49ers look like defensively in this matchup outside of um you know the effort question? i mean, obviously you gotta play with effort. But right. what do you think of the matchup for the 49er defense against Kansas City? I mean, Kansas Mahomes this year um, you know, showed that he was not just absolutely perfect. He was a guy that had some struggles throughout the year, but he, man, he has gotten it going late in the year and he's playing at a really high level suddenly. But I mean, if, you know, you go back to early in the year, this guy's 17th in the league this year in completion Mm -hmm. percentage versus pressure, 48.6. He had 14 interceptions, but he's had zero in the last 20 quarters, the last five games. Can the Niners get a pick against Mahomes? and Or is Mahomes doing something in the last five games that maybe he wasn't doing earlier in the year?
1: Well, one thing that I, I got fooled with is I started looking at the last game that we played them five years ago in 2019. And what frustrated me about that was is that I automatically tried to start marrying over the performances of, well, we had, we had Mahomes down two picks uh we had him down two picks he put up 21 in the fourth and our defense was game um I feel like he's come he's not the same quarterback he was the last time we faced him uh I will say that they they're a little bit they're taking more of a page out of our book in my opinion as far as not being an offense that Tries to always fit a square peg in a round hole because of this is what they do, but they've become smart enough and and actually more savvy enough to be able to take whatever a defense is giving them on that particular day. I mean, what's emblematic of that is that they're not necessarily a strong running team, right? They've had multiple multiple games where they've tried to get their passing game off the ground, but this group of guys that they have have they've been they haven't been up to snuff. It Wasn't until they got to the playoffs until they actually started activating their running game. And I didn't even see this uptick of them being able to run the ball this strong. And you might want to say, yes, yeah, the playoffs, and they're just trying to play because they know their backs are against the wall. But you can't fake the type of running game that they've had um and the games that they've played. I mean, they've had two hard home, um, they've had two hard road uh, road games and a home game, and they've seen Miami, Buffalo, and the Ravens, and they ran the ball on the Ravens and they they consistently ran the ball on the Ravens and don't be fooled by yards don't be fooled by the box by the box stat because running the ball is all about the effort, and the intent to know that you still will run the ball on this team and you can get yards, right? You don't need to run 100 yards in today's league. You don't need to run for 100 yards to sustain the run. You just need to run the ball hard and strong enough to be able to keep the defense honest for you to get to what you want to get to. That's what the Chiefs can do. I feel as though that the biggest thing, if we go back, And look at the last game. We talked about Reynolds being the kind of like their big receiver that's uh, left out on the end. And we're going to see Reynolds on Ambry Thomas. I feel like we're going to see again with Justin Watson on Ambry Thomas. Valdez, Scantling, and uh, Mooney are going to be locked up this uh, pretty much the whole game. In the same way we we counted on uh, Amon Ross St. Brown to be locked up on Demo, it's going to be Rasheed Rice in Demo. right? So I felt good with how Demo played against Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown is... I don't think Rasheed Rice is better than Amon Ross St. Brown, right? No. So if you're going to talk about a player that mimics Debo Samuel, you would look at Amon Ross St. Brown in some instances, and we more than had a good game, and I didn't feel as though that we were completely out of our depth with Amon Ross St. Brown, especially when Debo Sam, with Debo... Uh, Deamador Lenore was on him. So I don't worry about him and Rasheed Rice going up against each other. The, now, where I do worry... Is them is the Chiefs trying to uh trying to single out Jair Brown and Travis Kelsey. It's gonna have to be a hell of a game again from Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Interrupted the task. I mean Sam Laporta had a good game against them, but they they corralled him enough, they corralled him enough for, for him not to be able to take over the game. Now, for me, all of that's cool, but the biggest thing right now is stopping. Patrick Mahomes from being able to get outside of the pocket and create downfield because that's when they come alive, right? When they played the Ravens for all, for better, for better or for worse, they really didn't do that much offensively against the Ravens. They were struggling to score. The Ravens defense actually kept them in that game, right? It was the offense that kept sputtering out, but when they needed it, they were able to go deep downfield and it happened off of plaster coverage and get, get, Series in and series out. Watch that Baltimore game. Those boys could not get to Patrick Mahomes. They couldn't sack him. They couldn't hit him. They couldn't get him on the ground. He bled out of the pocket. He was always getting downfield. And again, not a lot of scrambling, right? Not a lot of getting downfield and trying to kill him with yards, but keeping the play alive. And it gassed Baltimore defensively. We are going to have to have the game of all games from Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and uh my man Randy Gregory because yeah. if they don't have the edges on point this game what's going to happen is is that they're going to get down here with Isaiah right with Pacheco and once they start getting a play action game together and Chase Young has to start getting out in space and running i mean that's all she wrote it'll become a backyard game and uh one, wilk said it wilk name. said it
0: yesterday not to interrupt wilk said yesterday um you know, the the key for us is to defend, be ready to to defend two plays on every snap, right? The play that they call and then the play that Mahomes improvise. creates. Yeah, they improvised. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because that's what he does. I mean, that's really the strength of his game. And mm-hmm. and so what does that mean? That means if you're playing zone, uh, Mooney said it, hey, you know what? If they're playing zone and he breaks contain and he gets outside and he's starting to create, create outside the pocket, you're going to have to have plaster coverage on your guy. You're going to have to go from your zone to basically playing almost a form of, you know, whatever you got to do. If that man matched. Yeah. Whoever's in your area. Now you're playing man, you know? So it's like, you know, you got to hug up on these guys. If, and and it puts a ton of pressure and and he's right. The team that plays with the best stamina is probably going to, you know, probably win the game as far as, it's going to take the D line to hustle. It's going to take the back end guys to defend two plays for every play, um, and I think it's going to take the Niner offense. To be honest, you know, taking away the run game and making them a little one-sided um, by by you know scoring themselves, and and that's you know Brock said, "Hey man, we got to get in the right mindset that he's like we're really good when our backs are to the wall," um, but you know what? We've not started fast and we got to get into that aggressive. We got to have it backs to the wall
1: mindset in the first quarter instead of the third quarter. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely agree with exactly, uh, the sentiment, uh, Really, it's not stopping the plays. It's not stopping the play that's actually called in the huddle, but it's the magic of Mahomes, him getting outside of the pocket. It's exactly what I talked about with the edges. Our D line is gonna have to really cause some issues. Right now, they seem as though that they're they're locked and ready to go. They're saying that Tooney is gonna be a game time decision, but outside of that, he didn't
0: practice yesterday.
1: Okay. Outside of that, you know, uh they, they got an offensive line, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh Creed Humphrey is pretty much one of the best centers in the league. Yep. Uh Trey Smith at right guard is a dog. And you know, say what you want about Juwan Taylor, but he's another guy. And um I kind of look at him in the same ilk as uh the tackle that we went up against uh in Green Bay, their their fifth round pick, uh Tom. Zach uh, Tom. Yeah. He's a, he's in the same ilk. Nasty, uh, but a little bit bigger. Six five, three thirty, um, can get out and run. So uh, it's gonna be on the trenches this game, really, uh, because if we can't if we can't get to Patrick Mahomes, then you know Patrick Mahomes is actually known for act for you know not being blitz not not being being impervious to the blitz. That's what he does, right? He does not get sacked. Yeah, and, and he uh, can't,
0: and he knows where to go with the ball. I mean, it's just you can't fool him with the blitz. I mean, Floyd the Barber says, Larry, do you think five man line would do? Against Mahomes, what do you think, Coach? What do you think of going with the five-man surface and and maybe playing some man-to-man on the back end?
1: I think that's what they actually are. I think that's what the Chiefs want us to do. I would I would go against that. They want us to get five linemen on the field because I, they want us to deplete that defensive line. They know how we're built. They understand that the strength of this defense is the wave of the pass rush. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing since 2019 and on. Our most successful defenses had a pass rush, right? The defenses that have struggled have lacked in having a pass rush and being able to stop the run, right? So, you know, for what it's worth, I need to see us be able to get home with four. I started getting worried in the, uh, in the Green Bay game because it was clear from the very beginning we could not get home with four. We had to start blitzing. Now, we're not going to have a guy like Jordan Love who doesn't necessarily have all of the reps under his belt. But we can show him things he hasn't seen before and count on him to throw against his body and give us a pick. We're going to be playing against a guy who is going to be looking at that pass rush and trying to get plastic coverage while our DBs are trying to play man match on the backside. So this is a game for the D line. Nick Bosa is going to have to win, right? For what it's worth. I like their tackles, but Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor are nothing to write home about as far as like upper echelon tackles, right? They, these guys shouldn't, we should get home being able to get out there. But again, the reason why they have Patrick Mahomes is because they don't need a Trent Williams, quite frankly, you know, they got Patty. They like, we need a guy that's serviceable enough out there. We got to make them wrong in that instance. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be the game of all games from our D line, right? We can't. I mean, and also, uh, they have tuning in right now. Uh, who Do do you know who his backup is? at left yeah, guard? It's,
0: it's Nick Allegretti who played really well. Um, I actually know Nick. I've had him on the show before. Really? Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a, we had him uh, just randomly. We had him on during the draft, the year he came out. This is several years ago. Um, and great guy. I mean, he's a Illinois kid who was a great high school wrestler and he's kind of settled in as their interior backup. So, but he's been in the system for a number of years. And when Thuni couldn't go, they plugged in Allegretti at left guard and they didn't miss a beat. I mean, I mean it was they, they just dominated up front. He's a big bodied guy, he doesn't have tons of uh lateral quickness, but he's strong at the point. So yeah, that's he's he's no gimme. I mean, it's not like uh um you know, they they have a bait he's almost like a starting caliber player and mm-hmm. grades out really highly. So it's that's no there's no gimme that, that even if, if Tooney can't go or, or Thunie can't go in that game. Uh Allegretti looked really good. I mean, they ran the ball um, you know, against Baltimore in the A gaps.
1: So yeah. what it wasn't like they ran it. They ran the it edges. right into that, and that's that's what I'm saying. When they play us, I feel like Andy Reid has learned his lesson. Remember back Philly Andy, and he he was on record for saying <laughs> is wild now, but he was on record saying that if I could, I'd throw the ball every down. Remember, he said that he's like, I'd never run the ball if, if it was up to me. We, I'd throw every down. Yeah, he I mean, loves
0: to throw. I mean, they throw,
1: yeah. yeah. And his, and remember, like, even in the Philly days, uh, with Brian Westbrook, those boys out there, like, he he never had a running game, and that's what got him fired because he didn't have a running game in the NFC East. In the early 2000s and 90s, and at that time, the NFC East was one of the toughest was one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. And everybody had a run game. And now that he's with the Chiefs and he got shit canned, and he's over there, he's starting to understand that I gotta have some backs. I gotta be able to slow the game down and be able to play the same game as these physical teams when I need to. I can still get to what I need to get to, especially with Andy Reid, in my opinion. Hall of Fame screen game. Nobody runs screens like Andy Reid. The best screen game in NFL history. But I feel like they are going to slow us down. They're going to try to get us to get five down linemen on the field. They're going to try to get us condensed in that box because they know that Patty can make any throw across the field. Now, with us on offense, I think that for us, we need to mimic them. We need to. They need to prove to us that they can stop our run game. Honestly, because right now, to me, the strength of what they do on defense is their is their a uh, secondary. They have an elite secondary. Everything else kind of goes downhill after that, right? But for for what they have in the secondary, we're gonna have to get those boys physical. They're gonna have to start tackling, not just getting in your back, not getting in your drop. We're gonna have to get these boys to the line of scrimmage and feeling us physically. So, um, I feel like. This is going to be another game, almost as if uh, uh, we're playing uh, the Lions again. Whoever's first to be physical um, and sustains it is pretty much going to win the game.
0: Well, I, I, I kind of like the Lions' weapons more than I like the Chiefs' weapons, but, you know, there's Mahomes. Mahomes is the ultimate, you know, factor because he he's just such a damn good he is quarterback. And Reed, and, you know, and the fact that Niners have never beaten Mahomes – Um, and you know, he's obviously going to bring a tremendous amount of confidence into this game. I mean, that's the thing he believes that, you know, he can't be beat. And since the Niners have never beaten him, you know, it's like a hitter stepping into a batter's box against a pitcher that he's got five hits and eight at bats against eight Mm -hmm. at bats. You know, it's like, you know, I own this guy. I mean, he, he's going to step into this super bowl. Like, Hey man, I own the Niners. I, I I can beat the Niners with my eyes uh, closed. You know I mean? He's very, very confident, but he doesn't have, he's not driving the same car that he's driven in past years. And if the Ford Niners can make this a track meet, I think they could outscore him. If the Niners can get to 30, I don't know that the Kansas City Chiefs can get to 30 against the Niners D. I, I, I have my doubts, really. I, I think the Niners D will be able, because I think Bosa is going to be able to win consistently. Against Jawan Taylor, Jawan Taylor leads the NFL with 20, 20 penalties this year. Um, I think Bosa is going to be able to to have his way there. The big question is opposite Bosa uh, against Donovan Smith. Can both can the Niners rush Mahomes from both edges? If they can, I love their chances to win. If they can't and and they leave them an avenue to you know oh, to run, then yeah then it's like you know what. Uh, then you it's a matter the of, game. The, you know, how, who's going to win? Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey or the Niners pasty. And that's hard to say. Um that, you know, let me ask you this though. The interesting article up on Niners nation right now, and it's written by Patrick Holloway. He says, what should the 49ers do with Steve Wilkes in the off season? And I don't, as I I'm on record of saying, I don't think Wilkes has been disappointing at all. Um, the Niners only give up 17 points a game. They've lost a lot of good run defenders in in, you know. So to me, that's why their run defense is not as great, is that their personnel against the run is not as great. But mm-hmm. then they have a poll question here at the end and they say, Are you satisfied with Steve Wilkes? And mm-hmm. your options are yes, give him another season with a healthy roster. Mm-hmm. Uh option two is uh let me see what the what he does in the Super Bowl. Option three is no, something is off, and the 49ers need to do a deep dive at the end of the season. And option four, it's time for an immediate change. So what do you think is the leading option? What do you think? I can give you the numbers of where they're sitting uh, votes-wise. Who do you think has the most votes out of those four? Time for an immediate change. Uh, something's off. The Niners need to do the deep dive at the season's end. Let me see what he does in the Super Bowl. Or, yes, give him another season with a healthy roster.
1: Let me see what he does in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Definitely. 42. 42, You're right. 42% of the fans said, let's see what he does in the Super Bowl. 29 said, no, something's off. And the Niners need to do a deep dive at the end of the season. 23% said, yes, give him another season with a healthy roster. And only 6% said it's time. For an immediate change.
1: Why? Mm-hmm. The reason why I knew that it was gonna be let us see because let us see what they do in the Super Bowl is because really what they want to do is they just want to hedge their bets to see how they want to place blame, right? If we win it and defense isn't that necessarily of an issue winning the game, nobody wants to talk about it, but I feel like that almost uh in a way, we don't like to uh uh, we don't like to admit what side of the bread our butter is on in a certain instance, like because we are led by an offensive coach who's very smart and he's been called a genius. And because offensively we look good and it's an offensive league, but it just doesn't feel good to admit that after all of that, after all of the names, after all of the fanfare, who's MVP, Chris, get Christian McCaffrey a touchdown every Every game, Trent Williams is the best offensive lineman in the league. You know, nobody can get a ball better than uh, Debo Samuel. Whoa. Nobody can get screens better than Debo Samuel. All of that cool stuff. It still comes back to our defense. We are led by our defense. We are a complimentary football team that is always going to be on our defense. So much so that. We're even having the discussion on what to do with Coach Wilkes while we're going to the Super Bowl. That's preposterous to me. That's wild, right? If somebody raised the question right now, should Kyle Shanahan be on the hot seat if we lose the Super Bowl right now? There might be a murder. Somebody might get assassinated because of that take, because it'd be that preposterous. But Wilkes is a scapegoat. If you look at it throughout the year, Kyle waltzed him out in front of everybody when he made a when he made a coaching blunder. Um, when he called the zero blitz that didn't lose them the game, but it was just a turning point in the game, right? Uh and because it was a turning point in the game, Kyle even admitted to uh <laughs> he admitted he admitted to uh, uh reporters and media. Like, yeah, he knows what he did. It's always been a higher standard for the defensive side of the ball on this team because that's what leads us, that's where the money is. Jed himself came out and said it. You know, we usually don't spend super high picks on offensive guys or really spend assets and free agency on offense. And we always try to spend our money and put all of our best interest in defense because Kyle's not going to spend that much time on the ball, on that side of the ball. He's always going to be focused on the offense. So we always make sure that the best of the best is on the defensive side of the ball. Like our head coaches outside of Mike McDaniels have been on the defensive side of the balls. The culture of this team, the culture that started this team came from Robert Sala. The sideline, the sideline camaraderie, getting the entire team, not just the defense, the offense in involved, all gas, no breaks. That's defense. Come on, that comes from the defensive side of the ball. Our culture from our linebacking room came from Quan Alexander, who put that in. He instilled that in all of those boys that comes from the defensive side of the ball. All right. The guy who we pay like a quarterback making thirty four million dollars a year is on the defensive side of the ball. So Wilkes being here right now, he came in here. And he didn't even get to implement his own defense that he probably interviewed with. He came in acquiescing on his back saying how I'm going to get this job is I'm going to go ahead and bend the knee. I'll learn the defense. I'll do it your way. Even him being a subject matter expert. All right. With head coaching experience and being a subject matter expert in secondary when we had, when we saw our defense not performing up to the level that we should in wins, this isn't when we were losing. In wins when our defense wasn't looking good. Nick Bosa was out for the entire summer. He comes back a week before. Um, he comes back a week before the season. And the first thing they start talking about is the front, to the front end is not matching the back end. You know, we need to get back to what we usually do. We need to get back to doing our things. He acquiesced with that, even when we started the season. Coach Wilkes, known. I do my, I call my defense from the booth. All right. That right there lets you know, you got the head coach of the team on the sidelines, but they need the motivation from the first year guy. He's the guy that has to come down from the booth and get down there. And to his credit, he did it, all right? And we've seen seen wonders because of it. So the facts are, is that, we're led by our defense. Our money is in our defense. The owner said it, it's about the defense. The team, they gaslit him into understanding, hey, no, you got to do it our way. So now when you start seeing effort issues, we can't turn around and look at Coach Wilkes and say, well, what is Coach Wilkes doing to get them together? No. They have let Coach Wilkes know in every way, at every turn, that you are coming into something that is already built. The infrastructure is already there. This defense is turnkey. All you got to do is just show up. So now they got to show up. It's not on Wilkes. He's being scapegoated. The man's doing his job. As a matter of fact, where you want to look at the emergence of Coach Wilkes and what he's been doing for the team is look at Demo. Look at Javarius Ward. Look at Ambry Thomas. Look at how we've seen these boys grow in front of us. Diamond Lenore was not the same player he was last year. He's come out and said it's because of Coach Wilkes. Mooney Ward has come out and said, no, Coach Wilkes is my guy. Outside of what he's done for our team and who he is as a man, personally, he got me to a Pro Bowl and a first team All Pro. So it ain't on Coach Wilkes. It ain't on Coach Wilkes. This was already built before he got here.
0: I mean, to me, and you know, if people are being critical, I mean, what are you being critical of? Because if you're looking at where they actually rank, um, they're they're third in points allowed. I mean, ultimately, that's what it's about. It's about it's about limiting points. They've they're third in the league in points allowed. They're number yeah. one in the league in interceptions. You know they've they they lead the NFL uh, the NFL with twenty two interceptions. So I mean he that's his strength is he's on the back end. You asked him to to you know step into a defense um, that you know that was you know that that was going with the wide nine that already had um, you know the structure in place and he's done that. And his on the back end they lead the NFL with twenty two interceptions. So you know. The question is if they can get a couple in this game, they got a chance to win. I mean, they got yeah. a real chance to win. Uh, they're eighth in total defense as far as yards, but I'm more of a points guy than yards guy. And yeah. they're third in points. So points allowed per game. You know, that's the thing. I mean, do you see this? When you look at these two defenses, the Niners give up 17.5 points a game, third in the NFL. Chiefs are even better than that. They give up 17.3 points per game, second in the NFL. Is mm-hmm. this gonna be a super low scoring defensive battle?
1: Um, I see I see it trending that way. Um, the boys are healthy, and uh this is gonna be I, I feel like this is gonna be a battle for the line of scrimmage. They're gonna this game's gonna be won in the trenches. I really believe it. I don't think that Kyle is, I just Kyle is wound tight, man. I don't see him coming out open guns blazing with Brock going five wide. You know how we opened up against Philly, how we opened up against, uh, who was that? How we opened it up against Baltimore, even though we had success against Baltimore. I just don't see uh, us starting out passing the ball. We got to be able to build build field position uh, with running the ball first. I, I just, I feel like that's where this game is going to be won and lost, right? Isaiah Pacheco cannot beat us. cannot beat us. And on the contrary, Christian McCaffrey's got to have a game of his life because I feel like that's where this is the game where I would love to see a full stable this game. A full stable. Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason, I'd love to see a full stable of backs right now because that's where I think the problem is with this KZ defense. They haven't anybody they haven't had anybody dedicate Running the ball at them. The Ravens could have beat them if they would have just ran the ball. If they stopped running the ball, you know, like everybody, if you watch that game, they had no issues running the ball on them. No issues. They kind of played right into their hands. Um, I don't want us to do that to these guys. They got to prove that they can stop our running game. I don't want to get out of this game with Christian having under 20 carries. He's the leading rusher in the NFL. This is the last game of the season. Run them, run them to the shoes fall off, bro. Like pound the rock.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Run the ball with McCaffrey. No question. Um run it a lot in this game. If you can get to 40 runs, I'd do it. I would I'd do it. it. I'd keep do the it. ball out of the air against again. I mean, here's the bottom line. Chris Jones is can ruin your day as a run defender or as a or as a pass rusher, but right. they've got some nice 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 defensive backs i mean Legarius sneed is a real true number 1 corner I, I i try to run it at him try to run it at him play ball control um and then get your defense with full energy to just go after Mah- mahomes i mean if you can sack mahomes you got a great chance to beat him um but that's really it you got to pressure him we saw tampa tampa you know pressured him in the super bowl and he was ordinary That's, I mean, it's not like it's some magical, you know, um, formula. Yeah, it
1: ain't rocket science.
0: You got to pressure him, and then he'll make mistakes. Uh, Michael Carroll says uh, they're going to crowd the middle of the field with defense. Is Kyle capable of throwing outs and screens, or is his ego too big?
1: That's a good question. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think there'll be a lot of stuff outside the numbers. Kansas City's pretty good inside. King Linner says you trusting... The grass, this game will be better than last year's Super Bowl. NFL said it would be better, but I don't know. Um, Mm. This is in the dome,
1: but it's a grass surface. Um, Just don't too much paint. It's the paint. That's what it really is. It's all of that paint that they put on the field, dude. They got to relax with that stuff. That's that's what makes those surfaces so slick because you transfer all of that paint all over the field, and it's basically it creates an oil slick over the field.
0: Yeah, th- last year, they were, there were some real questions about the surface. Guys were, you know, the Eagle players claimed they were slipping down a lot and they had a hard time uh, getting footing there. But, um, you know, it's a dome and it's a new surface. I'll say this. It's going to be a different surface than the one the Raiders ran, uh, were on this year because the, they change out the surface. I saw the Raider field late in the year, and it looked terrible. It looked awful. Yeah they're like wow yeah. this is the same surface the super bowl is going to be played on no it's not it's not they're going to i think they've
1: redone the field late in the year so you know um, you know who manages to get it right all the time who's that colleges just 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 go go get a groundskeeper from the sec
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> like you know what i'm saying go get a groundskeeper from the sec and just promote him throw a boatload of money at him to just revamp all NFL surfaces, and we'd have the best fields on planet Earth. You never see these issues at Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Yeah, yeah. Tennessee. They, their fields look immaculate. There's even in the rain. There's nobody slipping all over the place. This beautiful irrigation. Like I don't understand. How NFL how NFL teams don't seem to do it, but if you look at those college fields, they never have an issue like this. Those are the most beautiful fields, better than NFL fields, hands down.
0: Ready, set, rush says Krug. You should do a fan meeting in Las Vegas on Saturday. A little meet mm. and greet. Maybe we'll think about that. Jose Amador says, even though we're the favorite, why is everyone in the media and better still picking the Chiefs? No one other than us fans think we can win. Um you know it's easy. I mean, the Chiefs have a really good defense in Mahomes, and they're the defending champs. And they've, you know, the Niners have never beaten Mahomes. That's why it's easy for people to pick uh, Kansas City. Um, but I think the the reason the Niners are favored is the Niners were like plus nine one ninety three point differential. Kansas City was plus seventy seven. Forty ers were a better team this year than Kansas City. They had a better record. They had a better yeah. point differential. Uh, Kansas City, though, is hot, and they're playing well at the end of the year. So are they the team that, you know, struggled earlier in the year,
1: or are they the team that late in the year doesn't turn it over and looks unbeatable? Well, let me Uh, ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Larry. From where we stand, I understand if, if, if we're looking at the Niners versus the Chiefs regular season, right, we are a better team than the Chiefs, right? We outperform them. We outdefend them. We're a better team. However, try to look at this for a one month season, right? So let's say as we start the playoffs, we're all zero and zero. Right. None of the accolades matter. None of the numbers matter. Whatever you've done since week one of whatever you, whenever your playoffs started, is where you end up. Now, Gauging what the Chiefs have done since the day they started into the playoffs being zero and zero, engaging off the two games that the Niners have played, right? Who would you say is the better team?
0: Who's the better team between the Niners and the Chiefs? I I I would say um The 49ers have a have an ability to score more points. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs have some great indi they've got, you know, some great individual players. I mean, um, Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, uh, Ligeria Sneed need are three really great players. Mm-hmm. So, um, in fact, if you ask me, I would say the chiefs probably have more players in the top 10 overall than the 49ers do in this game. If you mm-hmm. said who are the 10 best players in the game, I would say, who are the 10 best players in the game? I would say Mahomes, Chris Jones, Trent Williams, CMC. Those four would be my top four. Kelsey. Um, do you put him next? Is he fifth? Is he I don't fifth think Travis player? Kelsey's
1: better than George Kittle.
0: I don't either. Um, and then what about Iuke? Iuke's a uh, all-pro wide receiver this year. You know, so I'm, yeah. I might go IU at at the five spot, um, but then you know, there's Creed Humphrey, who's a great player. There's Legarius Sneed. You know, it's a, it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, I think that I think the 49ers are a more explosive offense, and but I think these teams are very very even, which is why you've got the one point spread or the one and a half point spread. I think it's basically a pick pick 'em. I really do. I think you know Mahomes is the is the factor that makes you feel good about Kansas City, but then the Forty Nine er run game, you know, should should with uh, with CMC makes you feel like you know they're an incredible team. So I don't know. This is a very very even Super Bowl, and I think it's a good matchup. I really do. Nees says, uh, "Am I crazy that thinking refs letting them play actually benefits San Francisco?" In 2019, we had the better defense neutralized by the refs. This year, Kansas City has the better defense and O line, so swallowing flags actually actually benefits San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: Mahomes is going to be aggressive running, and if they call hits on Mahomes um, running, that you know those personal fouls are real killers. You want to see a team move? You know, Kansas City has struggled to move the ball at times this year, but if Mahomes is going to run. For 20 yards, and then you're gonna tack on 15 more with a late hit because he's aggressive and won't go down, and you got to really hit him. And then all of a sudden here come the flags. I mean, that could that could be one of the ways they move the ball. So I don't know. I'm I think the 49ers in a lot of ways um have the more explosive offense. Uh bomber seventy-eight, Larry. Does it concern you that the same ref crew in 2019 will ref this Super Bowl? I don't know. I, I don't get into the ref concerns that much. I mean, I'll, I'll mention it because I think it's a talking point, but mm-hmm. coach, I really believe though. I expect this super bowl to be won by the better team. I'm not worried about the officials impacting this game. I'm not, I know some people are, but the way the NFL is uh, playoffs have been officiated thus far. Uh, they've been very hands off and letting him play. And I don't, I I think it I think these games if anything are being under officiated not over officiated and I prefer an under officiated game. Uh
1: I disagree. Uh okay. <coughs> the Ravens game the 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 Ravens versus Chiefs game was ridiculous as far as officiating was concerned. It was very bad. Um but so- there was
0: only eight flags, right, in the whole game, right? I wasn't wasn't there wasn't that
1: um 5 and 3 or something like that? I don't know, i have to look <laughs> that up. Well, the frequency in which flags, I mean, I feel like there's, you know, there's a menu of what bad officiating can look like, right? It can be ticky-tack calls. It could be too many flags, right? It could be no flags called on stuff that clearly we see, right? You know, um, there was, I would say the officiating isn't necessarily good and we have to watch Lane Johnson jump off sides for four quarters, right? And they don't call it. That's bad officiating. So just the, the sheer number of of the of the calls is that's one way to gauge it but just also when the calls are made uh and 11 it was
0: eight eight for baltimore three for kansas city
1: yeah and that game was pretty bad there were multiple play uh pass interference uh calls on that defense that were not called isaiah likely got ran into on the pick by uh Lamar Jackson, they said that there was contact after the pick. You can see Isaiah likely getting hit well before the ball falls down into the air. And then there's a ref standing right there. Um, there was another play where Isaiah likely runs an in cut. He comes out of it, he gets held and grabbed, um, gets spun out by his uh race waist. They did not call it. Travis Kelsey. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now because it matters to us. Travis Kelsey is a demonstrative player. He really is. He's very comfortable, all right? He talks a lot. He jabs a lot. He puts his hands in people's faces. He gets up. He taunts. He makes it known every time he catches the ball. He's a very animated player. And we're an animated team as well, all right? And I don't want the officiating getting in the middle of these boys going back and forth because I saw it in the Ravens game. Travis Kelsey was basically having a midnight matinee. He was doing whatever he wanted the entire game flexing, doing the whole thing zay flowers gets a gets the biggest play of their game that's the biggest offensive play of the ravens game he gets up spins the ball down and flexes over a defender that's at his feet boom called right there was a play there was another pi with roquan smith and travis kelsey before prior in that game travis kelsey pushes roquan smith in the face he responds they get the pi i can tell you This is something where I don't want to see the refs get involved. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. I saw that. Look, I'm not mad at where the Chiefs are now. Whatever. You went out. You won your game. You're in the Super Bowl. But that game was tilted. I watched that game. The officiating in that game was not on par on the same side. They they did not call it even down the line. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not going to the game. I'm watching the game just like majority of the fans in here are going to be watching the game from home. And I swear to God, if I see a ticky-tack call and a cut to Taylor Swift during that Super Bowl, (laughs) I'm going to fucking lose it. All right? I'm going to lose it. All right? So I don't want this to be some fucking production on, you know, I don't want to be fodder to the next page in, you know, whatever the Chiefs got going on, right? Because the NFL, they get real romantic. I'll just say that. They get romantic with storylines. Let the boys play. That's there you it. go.
0: Keep Taylor on the sideline. Matt Wadsworth versus Wilkes for uh with four D-linemen versus goal line uh like offense constantly can't fill 10 gaps with six players. D-line on skates, 10 yards downfield constantly Wilkes
1: is a problem. Let me see not. that again. Wilkes with four D linemen versus goal line like offense consistently. Can't feel 10 gas with six players. D-line on skates 10 yards downfield consistently. Wilkes is a problem. All right. But hey, at the same time, you have to understand that Coach Wilkes is working out of the wide nine. That's not a Coach Wilkes decision. All right. So defense works from the line of scrimmage back, not the other way around. They don't call the coverage and then tell them what to do up front. So whatever yeah, the, D,
0: they- the D line being on skates, 10 yards downfield is also not, that's not, that's not the defensive coordinator. You know, yeah, That's, that's just getting pushed around up front it's
1: Getting pushed around. Exactly.
0: That's not your D coordinator. Uh, Tommy Huxley says the two tackles on Kansas city are Colton or, or Colton McCurve, Colton McKivitt's worse in pass protection. Well, I mean, Donovan Smith and, um, and uh Juwan Taylor have struggled all year. McKivitts McKivitz has not been a, a strength, but McKivitz is a tough guy. I all I'll he say did is
1: well against Detroit. He yeah, did Ju- well.
0: Juwan, yeah, he did. And Juwan Taylor, um and he did well against Green Bay for the most part. Juwan Taylor's got twenty penalties. So I would say Taylor is the guy who's the the weak link, and I would imagine Bosa has a field day against Taylor. Um but you know, and then you Noah Renahue. What's that? Noah Menahue hurts uh Kansas City, I think, badly. Many not having Charles Menahue is a major negative for
1: Kansas City. It's huge. It's huge because they it's in 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 a lot of instances, it's the same thing as uh losing Cleveland Farrell. You get that dual, yep. you get that dual responsibility D lineman that can do both at a high level. They can set the edge and stop the run and rush the passer at the same time. It's a huge loss for them.
0: Lucent Lucian Lachance, the fifth of uh, the fourth, says, How worried should the Niner fans be about the 49er defense going into the Super Bowl? Should there be a s- schematic change to the defense? Should they interview Belichick for defensive coordinator? Um, I definitely would have interest in Bill Belichick as defensive coordinator. Nothing against Wilkes, just Belichick's Belichick. I don't know that he would ever take that. Uh Kyle said he's not going to go to any kind of outside influence to try to help him in any way or help. The so he's not taking in any, any
1: consulting. Throughout no, the
0: break. no consultants. He's going to lean on his current staff. And um, and I, I don't know that the Niners defense should be worried. I just think they have to. They've got, you know, it's, they're depending on their team to play with some endurance. So mm-hmm. I think in this game, it's a it's got to be. I mean, let's be honest here. If you're going to win this game, you're going to have to play complimentary football for the first time. What does that mean? That means you're going to have to dominate the time of possession, run the ball quite a bit on offense, keep your defense off the field as much as you possibly can. If you can, then I think you are likely to have them show the endurance necessary to play at the crazy speed up front um, and, and cover, cover uh, Rasheed Rice and and Kelsey in the red zone. If the, Mm -hmm. if you can't, and Mahomes is dominating time of possession. I think that's a major advantage for Kansas City. So huge. I don't, I don't think the Niners should be worried, but I do think it's time to play some complement complementary football and try to protect your defense from lots of minutes on the field. Ernest Cyrus says, apparently, my my watch your back, Larry comment on Friday was taken the wrong way. No ill will intended, just some humor in light of the D line criticism. Oh, I got you. Thank you, Ernest. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, well, I am kind of still watching my back. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Crowley says, has anyone ever thought that it's Kyle and Lynch's defense? Defense gets better each year despite the coordinator. Coordinators just tinker here and there.
1: I have a I have a I have something to say about that. Go for it. So this is something that's a great this is a great comment, Ryan, because I've raised this question as well. The common denominator with the defense is that Coach Lynch, Coach Lynch, John Lynch, and Kyle, they're the ones that picked this defense. They handpicked this defense for the for their team, okay? So they brought in Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryan's under Robert Sala in order for them to run this defense. However, the subject matter experts are the people who are supposed to be the ones that order it. Right. They're the ones that actually put the mandate out. So, in so in some ways, I would it does match up when Kyle says we don't need to go get a consultant on defense because they're the subject matter experts on this defense. Coach Wilkes, if there's anybody, Coach Wilkes was given this defense to learn. So whoever gave it to him is who who should be who should be coaching him up and talking to him. And that just goes on to the next point that I wanted to bring up is that. That is coach that's Coach Shanahan's job. The head job of a head coach is to coach coaches. That's what head coaches do. That's their job. They coach coaches. So um I would see right now that Kyle is the first person to tell you, and it's a part of his Genesis story, that when he started learning offense, he truly didn't become special because until he started on the defensive side of the ball and learned defense. So if anybody should be telling Coach Wilkes. What needs to be done from the best position? If there's anybody that could be giving Coach Wilkes adjustments, it should be Kyle, right? Kyle knows this defense. I,
0: you know, I I would say that um that you know Kyle Kyle wants to be the head coach of the offense, and I think he'd love the defense to just run itself. Um, and and I'm I, you know, I think that if if Wilkes you know, is going to be here long term. You know, he would love to never have to be involved with the defense mm-hmm. if he could. If he could, yeah, I think he only wants to be involved if they, if they somehow, um, you know, if he doesn't like what he's seeing. And you know, I mean, this the effort in the NFC Championship game. I'm sure he didn't like, but how much of that is on Steve? How much is that on, if, of that is on the players? I put that more on the players than on Steve. I mean, you got to be motivated. If you're not motivated, self-motivated to play at a breakneck speed uh, down 14-7 in the NFC Championship game, then when are you going to play? A.J. Wright says, do we see Debo return kicks? I think it's very likely he could be a kick returner. Uh, Alien D. said, are we are we worried that their defense will figure out how to stop the quarterback run like teams did with Kaepernick? No, because I don't think the quarterback run is designed their, their scrambles. Um, we got this one. BV 50 has become a YouTube member. A little clap for BV 50 James BB. Foster. Good point. Coach Mahomes is a flopper frail. Um, Jared McBride. Why is there a lot of hate for Brock Purdy? He's fun to watch. He's playing like he's been in the league for 10 years. I I don't know. I don't know. I I think it's just that, you know, people, they don't like how much credit he gets. A lot of his gifts cannot be seen by the naked eye. And, you know, you can't, what makes him a great player is just, he's a, he, every one of his skills is just good. Not, I mean, except for the non thing, the things you can't see, like the kid's got tremendous heart. He's a crazy competitor. He's Mm -hmm. very, very smart. You can't see those things. So it's like, people are like, ah, well, he doesn't impress me, but then you flip on the tape and you're like, wow. You know, the ball comes out on time. He's processing what he sees. He's playing at a high level, he can run. So um, you know, it's I think that's really it. If he were a bigger six-five guy with a you know, huge broad shoulders and a gun, people would be like, Oh, yeah, look at him, he's great. You know, they can see that it's real easy. You can't see processing, and you I mean, you can if you study you can the all you your time. Yeah, but I mean, if you're just a casual observer watching on the tube, you don't see the processing. That's all lost on you and the accuracy seems just kind of like yeah he throws it accurately but it just kind of seems like well isn't he just throwing it to the guys it doesn't seem overly impressive well but that's the last thing to drop in my
1: opinion that's that's the last is, thing to drop
0: to me it's his comp- his it's his it's his you know competitiveness that's the part that's crazy because you know that's the part that you see that's why he ran in those situations cuz he's a competitor Uh, And he really wants to win. So I think he's a a competitor right there with the great competitors I've seen. But skill set-wise, guys throw it better. Um, Though his accuracy is really good, but, you know, he he did throw picks in college, and he'll throw some picks when he's not going well. So it's just, you know, there are better quarterbacks, but his competitive fire I think is at the top of the charts. I mean, he's right there. That's what Mahomes is is awesome about, too. You always feel like Mahomes is going to win because Mahomes is a crazy competitor. You saw the what happened to Mahomes when they lost to Buffalo. He melted down. He melted down because he's, so, he's such a winner. He's such a I-gotta-win,-gotta-win,-gotta-win guy that when he doesn't win, it's like, oh, my God. You saw, I mean... He was losing his mind. He was complaining to Josh Allen about that call against uh, against Tony, which was a good call. You know, it, just, yeah. it was just, you know, Tony was off sides. Uh, and they've buried Tony, by the way, since. I mean, he's just a totally non-factor. Coach, I got to run because I got to coach baseball today. So hey we got to cut, cut, cut this short. But um, what do you got cooking the rest of the day?
1: Uh, we got the faithful review coming up with Tom Jensen in a couple of hours. I'll put out the uh, promo for it, guys. And we're basically gonna flesh out uh, the zero and zero season. We're gonna we're gonna assess the 49ers from a zero and zero perspective since they played since they started their first playoff game. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what they've done on the ground. Uh, what traits have they shown us thus far, right? Um, If we're looking at the Niners for what they've done since they started playing the playoffs, this is a slow start team. Um, This is a second half team. Um, This is a team that struggles with stopping the run. That's consistent run game. Uh, This is a team that comes on late, but quarterback play has been a little bit spotty over the past two weeks. So I know it's easy for us to look at what the Niners have done throughout the entire postseason. I mean, the entire regular season. And all of those things are great. But for now, being able to look at them from a from a snapshot in time from Green Bay on and being able to look at the Chiefs, not in their season, but from Miami on will kind of give us a better light on how this game is going to play out. So it's going to be on in a couple of hours. I'm going to put it up. Uh, we'll probably be on about like maybe 3:30 uh Eastern, um, Eastern time. And uh we'll go ahead and flesh it out, just to be able to just, you know, be able to assess the Niners after the dust is settled because do you I'm happy.
0: Yeah, seriously. Steven Draper says, team effort is on the head coach, not the defensive coordinator. Uh, coach, we'll talk to you next Saturday from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Looking forward Vegas. to it, man. I'll be in oh, Vegas yo. this week, so we'll talk yo.
1: next Saturday from Vegas. I gotta do something special. If I'm going to be in Vegas, we're going to be in a Vegas show. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to be nice.
0: <laughs> Have a great Saturday. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to all you guys.
1: Peace. Peace. Yeah. I a man. I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly
0: what you asked for. He-